Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Dave Jenkinson continues our series on the Apostle Paul's letters to the church at Corinth. Today, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 13. And now, here's Dave. So good to see each and every one of you this day. Some of you are, I have to look around the cross to see you. You're hiding behind the cross. A good position to be in, though. We're thinking about the love of 1 Corinthians 13, that love chapter. You've probably heard it many times in a wedding. Put together. But before we do so, let us go to the God of love and uh, ask him for his help. Heavenly Father, we thank you again this morning as we gather together in this place and around the world. We thank you that you are present where two or three are gathered together. We thank you that your name is most excellent, worthy to be praised. And we thank you, Lord, that you are good and that God is love. And we'll never get our heads around that. Paul would say, uh, neither height nor death nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers can separate us from the love of God. And so, Lord, we thank you for your love. Lord, thank you that your love uh, breaks through our minds. We can be dull of hearing, hard of spirit, even sometimes hard-hearted. But we thank you, Lord, that you can take your word and apply it as you see fit. So we pray a blessing to each and every one this day, and we give you our thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. This chapter, chapter 13, of course, physically sits between chapters 12 and 14. And some have said that while chapter 12 speaks of the, uh, the giftings that are in the, uh, the chapter of the church, and chapter 14 speaks of the order and the display of those giftings, chapter 13 is the, the meat of the matter. It's the, 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 the bread on either side is good, but it's, it's what's in the center that's really important. And so, uh, the word of God is, uh, is sweet to our taste. It's like honey, uh, to our mouths. I'm going to read a, another version of this particular chapter. I hope it'll be help us as we listen. You can care, you can look along and see how it compares. Even if I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, but have not a gappy love, I became a clanging brass bell or a tinkling cymbal. And even though if I have a gift of prophecy and perceive all mysteries and understand science, and though I have all faith so I could transfer whole mountains, but do not have a gappy love, I am a nobody. Though I bestow my possessions in order to nourish the poor, and though I entrust my body to be consumed in fire, but have not a gappy love. It advantages me nothing. For a gappy love is long-suffering and is kind. A gappy love does not covet. A gappy love does not brag about itself. It's not inflated with self. Does not behave rudely. Does not worship its own self. Is not exasperated and thinks nothing that's worthless. 
does not get happy with wrongfulness, rejoices in the truth, and bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Agape love never is driven off course. There, whether there be prophecies, they will cease, and whether there are tongues, they will stop. And where there is science, it will be rendered useless. For science is partial, and we prophesy in part, but when the complete is appeared, then that which is in part shall be abolished. When I was immature, I spoke like an immature one. I understood as one immature. I thought as one immature. But when I became mature, I put away immature things. For the enigma is this. We look into a mirror. We see the enigma, and then we shall see face to face. Now I know partially, and then I shall know just as I am also known. And now remains faith, hope, and agape love. These three, but the greatest of these is agape love. You see, agape love, Paul says, as he writes to the Corinthians, it's more than just about speaking. You know, a clang or a tinkle. These can be empty sounds. There are sounds of great sermons and great words and languages, even great prophecies. And Paul says to the Corinthians, they're only noise if that noise does not produce God's results. That's why God's love is active. If you love someone and you've been waiting to hear their voice and you hear their voice for the first time in many months, like that woman in Ottawa waiting for her children from Gaza City, And she's waiting there and she hears them before she sees them. And then she runs to the sound. Yes, that's what God's voice does. Do you run to the sound of God's voice? True love responds when God speaks. Think of the Bible. When God speaks, things happen. He spoke and the world came into being. He spoke and the bones of Ezekiel 37, that great army, came to life. He spoke and he called my name. And he called your name. And your heart and my heart was made new. True love is more than just a sound. It's a sound with life and results. How's your sound going? When you speak, do they hear love? Or do they hear a noise? Agape love is more than just supernatural gifts. You see, the church, Corinthian church had magnificent, oh, multiple gifts. They were having miracles, healings, prophecies, languages, tongues. They were having all of this. But he says, with all of those without love, you're just a nobody. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, and again in Matthew 21, 21, almost the exact same words each time. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move it from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Yes, supernatural gifts are wonderful when God uses them in his timing. But agape love is superior. Number three, agape love is more than just sacrifice. He uses the example of somebody who gives their possessions to nourish the poor or even gives their body in sacrifice and is burned, consumed in fire. Now, sacrifice of goods or sacrifice of body, if God calls you to that, 
That is good. But what is better than sacrifice? Well, according to Scripture, to obey in 1 Samuel 15.22 is better than sacrifice. So if one is disobeying God's clear word and yet saying they are living in sacrifice, well, there's an inconsistency there, isn't there? Proverbs 21.3 says to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And Psalms 51.17 says the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And even sharing with others, doing good and sharing, having a meal with someone, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Hebrews 13.16. So the challenge is, and especially during this time, Are we obeying God with these kind of sacrifices? Love is clear proof of being born again of God's spirit. And it's important to know that love is about others. It's easy to say I love God while not doing anything for others. Love, to be God's love, must involve those outside of your own self. It's easy to say I've been born again. And I now know what it is to love. But when you ask this same person how they demonstrate love for others, well, that's really the measure of how we love God, isn't it? If you say you love God, as 1 John 4 says, how do you love the woman or man who has no interest in God? Agape love, then, is described in the next few verses. There are ten descriptions of what love does. Love is long-suffering and is kind. So the real test is not when things are going well, but when they are not going well. For love to be loved must be interacting with others. Corinthians were impatient in their meetings, 1 Corinthians 14, 29. And they wanted to, you know, gather together in big potlucks, and there were the wealthy on one end of the church, and they were having their big sumptuous feast, and the poor were coming in at the other end, and... They had no food, but they weren't being shared with. There was no interaction. Agape love says others first. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Yes, it's easy to preach or to coach from the sidelines. You know, this is the time of the year when finally the Stanley Cup is closing in on who it's going to be given to. And every year, these sports, like hockey, are watched by by many of us. Well, many of us are cheering as overweight, calorie-guzzling fans who purport to know more than the refs, the coaches, and the players. Yes, it's easy to criticize that gentleman who strikes out at the plate or fails misses and fans on that beautiful open net. But try it yourself. Remember one time we went to a pitching machine. It was set up to pitch the ball at around 90 miles an hour. Try hitting a ball. You try seeing a ball at 90 miles an hour. We couldn't hit. We couldn't even be fast enough. We slowed it down to a slow pitch of 55 miles an hour. And most of us still couldn't get our bats swung around in time. It gave us real appreciation for the ones who can hit the ball in a professional sense. But here's to know how we're hitting the ball that has inscribed on its leather, love. 
By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought also to lay down our lives for the brethren. And whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. It's rather interesting. He uses the word tongue. Why? Because it's easy to say, I love you. Now prove it. It's easy to say, I love my neighbors. But when was the last time we did something for our neighbors? To demonstrate God's love. Oh, but you say, my neighbors don't know me. That's true. And God knew that when he said we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. So how do you get to know your neighbors so that you can love your neighbors? As he's called us to. You see, he puts each one of us into families and neighborhoods so that the gospel of Jesus would go out to those in the surrounding area, that the ripple of your life would expand and God's message of his son would go out to others around us. Ah, but you say, my neighbors don't want to hear that. Ah, then you need to have that special love that goes to those who do not love in return. Loving your enemy is perhaps the highest form of love. And Jesus himself loved us while we were his enemies. We think sometimes that we were just coddled up to God. No, we were enemies fighting with tooth and nail in opposition to him. Because the Bible says no man seeks after God, but he sought after us. Gappy love doesn't covet. It's not jealous. That's the second characteristic. It's never the goal of coming to God so that you can get rich. I'm going to repeat that for the benefit of those who say that the gospel is about being rich. It's never about being rich in this world's goods. If that was the case, Jesus would have been the richest man who walked on the face of the earth. And he was, but not in the world's goods. And so it's never about seeking after. And Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5 is a classic example of that. They sold their property, pretended that was the entire amount of the house, and in this act of deception, and we don't know exactly why this was done, but they portrayed themselves as godly, but now homeless and without funds. Maybe they were desiring to become the next deacons along with Stephen. True love does not desire or seek its own praise, honor, profit, or pleasure. God help each one of us to have his kind of love. Agape love also works in one's own heart. The first sign of real agape love is that it speaks differently. The second sign that it serves with supernatural power differently. And the third is that it looks at oneself differently. Doesn't brag about itself. Not inflated with self. How often when we gather together, the person speaks, we tend to speak about what we're doing. A gappy love speaks of others, speaks to others, is interested to be a listener rather than just simply having that eye problem. Yes. Do you see yourself in God's light, in his proper light? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. The lamp of the body is the eye. Therefore, when your eye is good, your whole body is full of light. And when your eye is bad, your body is also full of darkness. Luke eleven thirty four. How does that play out in Paul's own life? Well, here's a man who's on his way to persecute Christians. And as he's going in the way, I love that illustration, Brother Dave. 
as he's going in the way, on the route, in opposition to the God of Abraham, God speaks to him with a great light, blinds him. But also, when he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What must have happened to his heart right then? I've got it all wrong. I've been hurting the very ones that you came for. I've been in opposition. And so he could say, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all expectation, acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Can you say that about yourself? I am the chief of sinners. Well, if Paul, the Apostle Paul, with all he was doing for God, could say that, then surely you and I need to learn how to be able to say. I love what uh, Brother McDonald said three weeks before he passed away. He's the author of the Believer's Bible Commentary. And somebody came in to him and said to him, Bill, does it get any easier? Do you kind of get to that stage where, you know, things are looking good? He says, every day it's a struggle to serve. You know, if there's no struggle and there's no life, if there's no struggle, there's no real joy because joy comes from the successes over those struggles. I'm the least of the apostles, he said in 1 Corinthians 15, 9. And in 2 Corinthians 12, 11, he said, and I'm not behind the most eminent apostles, though I am nothing. You see, he had that balanced. Chiefest of sinners, least of the apostles, most eminent of the apostles, and finally in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I am what I am by the grace of God. I love that because he... He sets forth a, a classic example for us. He said, be imitators of me as I also am of Christ. So Agape Love thinks of others. And that's what Paul was doing his entire life as a new Christian. He was looking to share the gospel message with others. How are you doing on that? Agape Love does not get happy with wrongfulness. He does, it does not rejoice in iniquity. It means that Agape Love rejoices in the truth. Agape love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and is never driven off course. There's that permanence. There's that fixed position of the compass. Love is enduring. Paul, as he writes, makes it clear that prophecies will one day cease at Corinth and tongues will stop these are incomplete and, and in part only. And there is a big question, when and how does that work? When did they cease? Do they Have they ceased today? Well, it would be impossible for me to go into an extended discussion on whether miracles are still in existence. But let me affirm this fact. A miracle still exists today. When you walk or drive by that beautiful red and orange hue of the frame of the McIntyre head frame across the deep blue of Pearl Lake, only God could paint a picture like that, that miracle. When you look into the face of a young child or a deaf man or woman who has been given the ability to hear for the first time and you see the joy comes upon their face, that truly is a miracle. 
And when you look into the face of man or woman, worn and tired with sin, who's called out to God in desperation, calling upon the name of the Lord for salvation, and with tears streaming down their face, the peace of God descends upon them, and you see repentance and joy and God's forgiveness. Truly, that's a miracle. And finally, as you look at the tiny insects in this world, Perhaps the monarch butterfly, an insect that flies 3,000 miles to migrate in Central America on the same tree that two or three generations beforehand on its forefathers landed. And it does so with a brain the size of a pinhead. And that caterpillar that it produces, a metamorphosis, releasing a chemical which turns the inside of that caterpillar into mush. No perceptible parts, and yet, somehow, this emerges. The brain, the internal parts, the head, the legs, the wings, the butterfly, all in the right order, all assembled with perfect design to fly. And that butterfly emerges from that chrysalis, and it stretches its wings and expands those wings and then takes off. And is it little wonder that Paul used the word metamorphosis in the scriptures when he said that we too are being changed, metamorphosis, into the image of the Lord and will one day fly away. Yes, this kind of love is a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Whether it be a spouse you've lived with for decades or have begun to experience challenges with go with every season, or simply loving an enemy or loving a complete stranger. Each one is a challenge and a joy. But let me remind you, God is at work in that process. Reading this morning, a reading that we've been enjoying over the years. The woman awoke startled and glanced frantically in the dark room. No one was there, but she knew she had heard a voice speak clearly. Confused, this Muslim woman fell back on her foam mattress and closed her eyes and heard the voice again. Okay, she thought to herself, I will do what you say. The next morning, she sent a child to the exact location in her dream. There, the child met me walking down a dirt path. The child said there was someone wanting to see me. I thought it was a case of mistaken identity especially since I had never walked down this path before. However, the child was so insistent, I finally followed. Once we neared home, this Muslim woman ran out to greet us, and before anyone could shake hands in introduction, she blurted out, Tell me about God! I smiled and said, How do you know I was a Christian when we've never met and we do not know each other? The Muslim woman recounted the dream that she had previously had the night before. This voice told me to send a child to meet a woman walking down the dirt path at the exact time you were walking there. It then told me to ask this woman about God, and then I would know the truth. Knowing that many come to Christ through dreams, I began to share, and I thank God for that voice in the night that encouraged this woman to hear and accept the truth of Jesus. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star, and it reaches down to the deepest hell. Yes, this is the love that he has called us to love with. How long does it last? Well, Paul says in his verse 11 that when I was immature, I spoke like an immature. 
I understood. I thought. But then when I became mature, I put away immature things. How do you feel if you see somebody, a little child, wearing a diaper? Well, you obviously um, don't think that's too big a deal. But how about an adult? One walked in as an adult wearing a diaper. That might be a bit strange. How about a little child takes a tantrum? Yeah, that's given. It's a given. Two-year-old, three-year-old. Hey, you just shrug your shoulder. Hey, they're two and three. What about an adult that claims the claim of Christ and having a tantrum? Have we been there? Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, we have. So love needs to mature to be God's love. Finally, in verse 12, he says it's an enigma. That word enigma, um, it's a puzzle. I was once handed a puzzle by a friend. This puzzle had but nine pieces. So you'd think it would be an easy puzzle to solve. Yeah. It was a series of bears. Each of the pieces had bears in different positions, photographs, actually. The only problem was each of the pieces was a square. So you had nine pieces in the puzzle, each of them a square that you had to put together. I've never struggled so long with a nine-piece puzzle. It took me hours, I think probably 18 hours to figure it out. Oh, there was one other thing. There was no picture from which to work from. You had to figure it out. And so you had to work this puzzle and go each piece and then multiply try around and move around. Life is like that, isn't it? Sort of like that. An enigma, a puzzle. But thank God we have the Lord Jesus, the kindest shepherd ever, who realizes our needs. And he says, I will be with you in this puzzle we call life. Yes, we look into a mirror. And we see our reflection. And the mirrors of Paul's days were brass and polished copper. They were never perfect. I mean, even the mirrors today aren't exactly perfect, but they're certainly much, much easier to see. But when we look into God's word, it's a true mirror for us. And we see how love looks. When you read the Gospels, we see how Jesus, God incarnate, looks. And we see how where to look. Ah, so different from us in so many ways, isn't it? Second Corinthians 3.18, But we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed or metamorphosis into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so love is the best. You can't go wrong if you have agape love. It remains. Faith, hope, and agape love, these three, but the greatest of these is agape love. Dr. Fritz Talbot of the Children's Clinic in Dusseldorf fought against infant mortality in the 1940s. And when a child was hopelessly wasting away, the physician would scrawl a prescription on the chart, Old Anna. Anna was a grandmotherly woman on the ward, often seated on a large rocker with a baby on her lap. She held and stroked failing patients. And in most cases, those children began to thrive. In fact, she had more success with her rocking chair therapy than most of the doctors at that clinic. Jesus knew the power of touch. He could heal with a word, and he sometimes did. And more often, he accomplished his healing 
with touch. And so today, in this time, we need to remember his word. And his word tells us to reach out to those who need a hug from a friend. You've experienced that. I've experienced that. And there's something energizing and joyous about loving, even as Jesus loves. Agape love. Where are we in that? Each one of us is moving forward if we have by faith accepted the Savior. But I'm so glad that he never lets us go. He holds us in his hand, and he's willing to work with even the slightest bit of our willingness to serve him and to love as he's called us to. May this be the start of a wonderful new transition in your life to love with agape love. Unconditional, without expectation of reward, but simply to demonstrate that God is here and God is love. May God bless us. Thank you for that message, Dave. Thank you, Father, for the glorious uh, love that you've shared with us. We thank you that we can stand and sing of that love and, and praise you for it. We ask that it might transform our lives, that we also might love one another as you have loved us, that we might love our Father, our God, with all our hearts and love our neighbors as ourselves. And we just pray that, that you would reach out with this message to us and that this message would reach out to those around us through you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church, where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.